0: James, in in chapter 5, verse 17, says, Elijah was a man like us. What does that mean, that he is a man like us? It just means that he was just as prone to temptations and troubles and moods like you and I are. We're gonna see this in this story of Elijah. Elijah. The story begins, honestly, in chapter 18. Elijah does this miracle. And we're going to see in chapter 19 the warning signs of emotional burnout and then how God refills his emotional tank. The signs of burnout and God and his recovery are in chapter 19. But in chapter 18 is the miracle. And here's the background. Israel has been led astray by King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. They have been led into idol worship. They had turned them from the living God to a false God where they are sacrificing their babies on the altar of Baal. It was during this time that God raised up a prophet, a true prophet, Elijah, who took on King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. He comes to the people and he says, okay, how long are you going to waver between two gods, between two opinions? If God, if Baal is God, then follow him. If the Lord God of Israel is God, then follow him. And he suggests a God test. It is a bold test. God test. Elijah says to the people of God, "Here is the test. Gather all the false prophet, or gather all the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, and let them sacrifice a bull on the altar, and then pray to Baal that it would be consumed with fire. And if that happens, guess what? We're, we're going to follow Baal. If it doesn't happen then I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sacrifice a a, um, a bull on the altar and I will pray that God consumes it with fire. And if God does, then God of Israel is the true God. And everyone thought, this is a great idea. Let's go for it. And then Elijah says, okay, you first. And so the prophets of Baal sacrifice their bull on the altar and they start praying. And they pray and they pray and they pray and they pray and they pray. And they pray. Did I say that they prayed? They, they prayed all day up until evening. And during this prayer time of, of, of the prophets of Baal, Elijah is teasing them. Na-na-na-na-na-na. He's not hearing you. He must be asleep. Oh, maybe he went to the restroom. He's going number one and number two, okay? You think I'm joking. You need to read this story. It is just an awesome story, okay? Evening gets there, and Elijah says, enough time, okay? That's it. Time's up. My turn. And he takes his bull, and he sacrifices it, and he puts it on the altar. And to make things fair, he pours 12 barrels of water. On it. And then he begins to pray this simple prayer. Let's pick it up here. 1 Kings 18. At the time for the evening sacrifice, Elijah went up to the altar and prayed, Lord, I know you're the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel. Now prove that you are the real God and that I am your servant. Show these people that you told me to do this. Lord, answer my prayer so that these people will know that you're God and that they will change their minds. Then the fire from the Lord came down and burned up not just the sacrifice and all the wood, but it also burned up the stones and the ground under the altar, and it dried up all the water in the ditch. And the people are astounded. But they are not only astounded, they are madder than you know what. Because they have been led astray to worship a false god and sacrifice their babies on the altar. And so they turned against these 450 false prophets of Baal and they killed them. Because that was the consequences of being a false prophet. And as a result, there is a great revival in the land. But with every mountaintop experience, there's what? There is a valley. And Elijah experiences the valley. He feels down, to be do, down, down. Even below that. Take a look in chapters 19 1 through 5, and verse 10. Now, Ahab told his wife Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he ordered the death of all of her false prophets of Baal. So the queen sent this threat to Elijah May my God strike me dead if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He left his servant in the town of Beersheba and he walked for a full day into the desert. Finally, he came to a broom tree, and he collapsed under its shade. There he prayed that he might die. He said, God, I have had enough. Take my life. Just let me die, for I am no better than my ancestors. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the broom tree. Later, Elijah told God, I've always worked hard for you, Lord, But your people have abandoned your covenant, destroyed your places of worship, and murdered all your true prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. This guy is on the edge. He is emotionally empty. He is drained. And he's washed out. ever been there from this story we get so many lessons so many warning signs that we need to heed to when it comes to our emotional state our well-being but what we learn more importantly is how god refills that cup this story right here actually illustrates 10 signs of emotional burnout And all ten of them are in Elijah. They're in his life. When you are emotionally burnt out, folks, you need to recognize these signs. You need to heed the flashing warning lights. Or you might have a wreck. But more importantly, you need to know how to refill your cup. And let's start there. Let's start first with the warning signs. Get your pens ready. The first sign is simply this. When fear creeps in to your life. The Bible says that Elijah was afraid. When fear begins to creep into your life and you're beginning to be consumed with whatever fear it might be, it may be financial fear, it may be a physical fear, it may be a vocational fear. Folks, it really doesn't matter. When fear begins to creep into your life, you are beginning to plug holes in your emotional tank, and it's going to start leaking. The second sign is when I find myself running away from things. When I begin to seek escaping reality, especially through unhealthy means. It it says that Elijah ran for his life. Let me ask you a question what are you running from if you're running away from reality guess what that is a sign especially through unhealthy means it is a sign that your emotional tank is draining the third sign that we see here is that i start backing out of relationships Notice that it says that he left his servant in the town of Beersheba. Folks, this servant of Elisha's had been with him for years. Let me ask you this question. Are you walking away from any long-term relationships? If you are, guess what? It's a sign. The fourth thing. When I am emotionally drained is this. I make foolish decisions impulsively. It says that he walked for a full day into the desert. Folks, that's not smart. It's not smart because, first, first of all, he didn't have a plan. He had no water. He had no food. And on top of that, he was really going in the opposite direction in which he needed to go to. When you are making foolish decisions impossi- or impulsively, you are on the edge of burnout. Will you write down this fifth one? When I push past my physical limits. When you do that, you are on the edge of burnout. It says that he collapsed under the shade of a broom tree. He walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and walked until he collapsed. He went beyond his physical limitations. The sixth thing that we see in this story is that when you're physically, emotionally, spiritually burnt out, your work seems pointless. Pointless. I've worked hard all my life, and I haven't seen any change. The people of God have not repented and returned to the Lord. Truly, one of the greatest causes of burnout is trying to control everything. Honestly, as a pastor, I struggle with this one. And I have to remind myself all the time, George, you are responsible to, you are not responsible for. You're responsible to teach people. You're responsible to encourage people to get into community, to to discover in community the, the dream that God has for their life, but you are not responsible for. When I begin to be responsible to and responsible for, folks, that's when I begin to burn out. He is taking on more responsibility than God intended for him to take on the seventh sign of emotional burnout is that i start complaining that i want i start complaining that i want to quit and give up notice that he says god i've had enough i'm done i'm throwing in the towel i quit when your emotional tank is empty you lose the vision for your life. That's why you need to get in time to dream. Some of you, all of us, I'm going to encourage you all, we need to recapture the dream individually. And there's a whole message on this one. Opening doors to a new you. When you and I are emotionally drained, we lose the vision for our life. We forfeit our future, and oftentimes we forget the goals that are before us. Elijah says, I just am done. It's just not worth it. The eighth emotional sign is that you feel isolated and attacked. Notice that he says here, I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that does any work around here. No one else does anything. I just do it all. I'm the only one. Everyone's against me. I'm the only one that's for me. What is happening here is that that Elijah is exaggerating. Later on in that chapter, God informs him that he is not the only one. That there are 7,000 other prophets of God And so he's exaggerating. What is happening is he is throwing himself a pity party. Why? Because when you are emotionally burnt out, that's typically what you do. If you look at this story, he was only threatened by Queen Jezebel. Just words. If she wanted him dead, guess what she would have done? She would have sent soldiers after him, and he'd have been history, right? He is exaggerating. Folks, he's not thinking straight because his emotional tank is empty. The ninth sign of burnout is that I begin comparing myself to others and I feel bad about who I am. Notice that Elijah said, for I am no better than my ancestors. Notice that that is a comparative statement. When you are emotionally empty, you compare yourselves to others, and more often than not, you devalue who you are. You put yourself down. Your self-image lowers. You start to motivate yourself through statements like, I must, I should, I have to. You understand what that, that kind of reasoning is? That is called emotional reasoning. It is where you choose to focus in on your feelings rather than the facts. You begin to believe that what you feel is true and everything else isn't. You see, everybody has highs. And with every high, there is a low. After every win, go Kansas City Chiefs. There will be a lull. There will be a time of feeling emotionally empty. And I say this, in those times, whatever you do, don't make major decisions. I have learned never to trust my feelings after Christmas and Easter. Those are emotional highs. Everyone comes to church. We run four services. I mean, there are highs, Christmas and Easter. I had a high like that when I got married. We had a great, Cheryl and I had a great wedding. Uh, We honeymooned, folks, it was in paradise. It was called the Lake of the Ozarks. I can remember after the wedding and after the honeymoon telling Cheryl, Cheryl, it was a great wedding. The honeymoon, man, it was awesome. But right now, I just don't feel married. She looked at me, it doesn't matter how you feel, Buster, you are, get over it. It's called emotional reasoning. This is what is happening with Elijah. The 10th thing is I think death might bring relief. How many times have you heard yourself, I'd just rather die. This is what's going on with Elisha. Elisha prayed that he might die. Take my life, Lord, just let me die. Let me just say this. You may feel that dying is the way to relief. You might think that taking your own life is the right way to do it. Don't. Don't taking your life is a permanent solution to a temporary mood. Feelings come and they go. There are people in your world who care for you. We care for you. We love you. You just need help. And your help Might be going to FPU. It may be going to a counselor. It may be going to grief share. It may be going to divorce care. I don't care what it is. We love you and we care. And you need to get help. Never make a major decision when you are in the valley of despair. Now as you look at these 10 things... Do you now realize why James, in chapter 5, verse 17, says, Elijah is a man like us. Though he had done all these miracles, and folks, he had done a lot of them. We should have done a little bit more research and found out how many he, he had done. But he did a lot of miracles. And yet he was feeling down, be doo down, down to the point, I just want to end it all, God. I just want to die. Can you relate to any of these? I'm sure you can. Now, it's not enough just to identify those emotional warning signs that help you to understand that your tank is emptying, that your tank may even already be empty, where you're just running on fumes. The more important thing is how do you refill your emotional tank? I want us to notice out of this story three things that God does to help Elijah experience a better surprise. The first one is this. The first way that God refills your tank is that God makes me rest my body. Now I want you to notice That God works from the outside in. And he starts with Elijah. With his physical needs. Now I bring this up. Because I have people who come into my office. That are emotionally drained. And I ask them. What has your life been like in the way of your schedule? George I've been Chasing my tail around. Going here, going there, and going everywhere. And I just feel exhausted. I says, when was the last time you've been to the doctor? I haven't been in a long time. I want you to go to the doctor. I want you to go to the doctor, and I want you to get your body checked out physically. Because God starts on the outside, and then he works to the inside. He starts with the practical and then he works with that which may be less practical, more mystical. We all know Psalms 23, don't we? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Sometimes God has to make us lie down because we're not smart enough to put the brakes on ourselves. He actually has to maybe bring a sickness or something into our life that just stops us so that we can get physical rest. And why is that? Because you can't be at your best, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, when you are physically depleted. This is what happened to Elijah. Take a look at 1 Kings 19, 5-7. Then Elijah laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and saw some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. This is a miracle. So he ate and drank and laid down again and went back to sleep. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, for there is a long journey ahead of you. So Elijah got up and ate and drank again, and his strength was revived. Folks, I just love how practical God is. He is not just a God of theology. He isn't a God who just works with the mystical spirit and soul that is within us. He does. But he is a practical God. Elijah is burnt out. And it's interesting to me, as you read this story, he doesn't give uh, uh, Elijah a lecture, shaking his finger. I can't believe you haven't ate anything. No, he just lets him sleep. Psalms 127, the psalmist says God wants his beloved to get their proper rest. Vince Lombardi said fatigue makes uh, cowards of us all. The first thing that God does with Elijah says you need to get your rest. You need to eat right. If your emotional tank is empty, you need to take care of your body. You need to control the controllables. There are a lot of things in our lives that we cannot control. But those things that can be controlled by us, God expects us to control them. We should eat right. We should get our proper sleep. And we should look at our calendars, our schedules, to make sure that we are not overbooking ourselves. We need to control what we can control. And so I say, go to a doctor if you need to. And I would have you know that I and Dennis Tolleson are considered doctors outside the United States, Okay. Now here's the second thing that God did. The first thing that God did is that he dealt with Elijah's physical needs. The second thing that God does for Elijah is that he deals with his emotional needs. His first one was eat and get some rest. That's the antidote to, to depression. The second one is this. You've got to release your frustrations. How many times have you heard me over the 30 years, revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing? More than you probably would like to hear from me about that. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. And this is what God does for Elijah. Take a look at 1 Kings 19, 8 and 9. Next, Elijah traveled 40 days to guilt get to Mount Sinai the mountain of God that's an interesting place isn't it there he came to a cave where he spent the night but the lord said to him what are you doing here elijah then elijah said and in the next few verses elijah lets it out he 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 lets out his complaints and his frustrations Now understand something. When God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. When God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? What is going on? He's giving Elijah an opportunity to unload. He says, I know that you've got some pent up frustrations within you. I want you to begin talking them out. I want you to begin spilling your guts. And Elijah does. In that short conversation, Elijah expresses six emotions. You just need to study them. He expresses fear, bitterness, anger, loneliness, low self-esteem, and worry. Why? point is this. God isn't shocked when you come to him with the emotions that you have. He will listen to every word that you speak to him, every frustration, every complaint, whatever it is, until you run out of words. If you read the book of Psalms, it is a book primarily of David's psalms, and a lot of them are about his complaining about what was going on in his life. Why did God allow that? Because it was cathartic. It was healing. And how many does God allow us to express? All of them, folks. All of them. First Peter 5 says, Cast, your care, cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. God wants us to drain, so to speak, the pent-up frustrations that are there. And that is why I oftentimes tell people as they're in an emotional funk that they shouldn't just go to a counselor once. They need to go to where they really go deeper from just, "Mm, I'm mad or I'm sad so that they drain it and that there's healing. And by the way, I think it's good to have a small group that does that, a group that will not judge you when you are going through an emotional funk. Why? Because the revealing of your feelings is the beginning of healing with God and with others. Now there is a third thing that God does to help restore our emotions when they're empty. And that is this, by remembering and refocusing on him. First, you rest your body, physically. Then you release your frustrations, emotional healing. And then you remember, mentally. And then you refocus on him, spiritually. I need to remember what he has said, who he is, and what he has promised. And I need to refocus on his person. Through worship, I've got to get my eyes off of my problem and I've got to get it on to the person of Christ. If you're going to get a fresh awareness of God's presence, you've got to get them off your problem and you've got to get them on his person. This is the third step in Elijah's journey towards being emotionally restored. Take a look at 1 Kings chapter 19, 11 through 13. "'The Lord said to Elijah, "'Go stand in front of me on the mountain, "'and I will pass by you.' "'Then a very strong wind blew past, "'but the Lord was not in the wind. "'After that, there was an earthquake, "'but the Lord was not in the earthquake. "'Then there was a wildfire, "'but the Lord was not in the fire. "'But then there was a quiet, gentle sound.' When Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his coat and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. And the voice said again, Elijah, why are you still here? As you read that story, Elijah was not done venting. But what is going on here? God, in essence, is saying to Elijah, I want you to get alone with me because there's some things I want to show you. There are some things I want you to see with your eyes. And God throws a multimedia event that this world has never seen. First, there is this windstorm. It is like a hurricane. And then there is an earthquake, and then a firestorm, and then a whispering What is God doing in all these things? He is demonstrating His power. To make this point, Elijah, you are so worried about one woman. Just relax. I'm in control. Just relax. Folks, one of the roots of emotional burnout is trying to play God by controlling everything. Frank Sinatra. Don't you love Frankie? I sing Frank Sinatra songs all the time. You can ask Scott. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. I I just love Frankie. My dad... Raised me up with Frankie, And one of his theme songs for his life, do you know what it is? My way. I did it my way. I I sound like Frankie in the shower, I guarantee you this. (laughs) But do you know what Frankie's last words were? I'm losing it. Those were his final words and he passed. I'm losing it. Why? Because he wasn't as in control as much as he thought he was. And either are you. And either am I. There is a passage that is rich to me. It's from Lamentations, written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as a weeping prophet. And the book of Lamentations, the word means complaints. It is a book written about Jeremiah's complaints. God, I don't like this. God, I don't like that. God, I don't like this here either. But Jeremiah as he is pouring out his complaints to God, finds the antidote to his emotional emptiness by remembering what God is like and what he has said and by refocusing in on the person of God. And it's in Lamentations chapter three. Take a look at this. Just thinking of my troubles and my wondering fills me with sadness and bitterness. It's all I ever think about. And I am depressed. But then I remember step three. Something that fills me with hope. The Lord's steadfast love never ends. His unfailing mercy keeps me from being wiped out. Because of his great faithfulness, each new day he is always kind to me. So deep in my heart I say to myself, the Lord is all I need. He is my real those five things will pull you out of depression or emotional burnout as you remember what God has said, what God has promised, and as you refocus on the person of Christ. A lot of people, when they are feeling down, be doo down, down, they turn to sugar for kind of an emotional high hey, let's all just go out for ice cream, right? Hey, let's have a piece of pie right now. That chocolate sounds really good. I need a pick-me-up. Well, God has a different kind of sugar here. As you and I remember what God has said and what he has promised, and as we focus on God, he has a sugar that will not bring you down. Will you write these down? As you remember and refocus on God, God's steadfast love, his unfailing mercy, God's great faithfulness, God always being kind, and God's real hope. You see, God's sugar is far better than any other physical sugar that we can have. And Jeremiah built his life on these five qualities of God. And as a result, it pulled him out of the doldrums. Now, here is the surprise. Here is the last thing that God tells Elijah, and it is the better surprise. Take a look at 1 Kings 19 15 and 16. Go back the way you came to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel and Yehu and Elijah. God says to him, I want you to retrace your steps from where you came from because as you do that, you are going to realize, and here's the surprise, that I am not done with you yet. I want you to anoint the next team. I want you to anoint the next prophet of Israel. And if you read the rest of Kings and 2 Kings, you will find that Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. And it's when you think that you are at the end of your rope, God comes along and he says, I'm not done with you yet. I am going to use you to reach the next generation. Now, I don't know what kind of emotional surprise that you have been experiencing lately. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's something to do with your health. Maybe it's to do something with your job. Whatever. You may feel like you're out of gas and you're thinking, I don't have anything to give. Well, God brought you here. say this to you, I'm not done with you yet. I think that's pertinent, even to our church. And one of the quickest ways is by getting involved in community, in the Time to Dream campaign, series if you want to call it, because it's a time for you to dream of a new you, a time to dream of new authentic relationships, a time for greatness, a time for abundant blessings, a time for understanding your world, a time to leave a legacy. And if you will sign up and get into a group for 6 weeks, I'll give you this book. It is a good one. It's a great devotional. And I've already started. So are you emotionally burnt out? God says this I want you to go from the outside in. I want you to take a look at your lifestyle. Are you getting your proper rest? Are you getting enough nourishment, the right kind of nourishment? Is your schedule out of control? You need to pare it back. You need to release your, your, your frustrations so that you can begin. Healing on the inside. And then you need to remember, get your mind engaged on the promises of what God has said, and refocus on His person. And as you do that, God will restore you. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are a personal, practical, and positive God. That you have answers for every surprise of life that we go through. Vocational surprises, relational surprises, physical surprises. And when those surprises suck us dry, you even have a better surprise emotionally for us. God, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. That you are a faithful God. That you are a kind God. That you are gracious. That you are steadfast. That you don't waver in your commitment towards us. God, I praise you for who you are. And I thank you for what you are doing in our life as a church. And may we hear your voice. I'm not done with you yet. I don't know where you're at with Christ personally. But you may be worn out. Just with what life has been throwing your way. Emotional renewal starts truly in a relationship with Christ. And if you haven't said yes to him, will you do that? Will you just turn your attention to him and just say, God, I admit that I'm worn out. I admit that my mistakes Have just sucked me dry. But I believe that you are the answer for my struggles, for my life. And right now, I want to open up my heart to you. I want to drop you from my head into my heart. And if you did that, would you just let me know? I don't care what words you used. It doesn't matter as long as you meant them. Will you just let me know so I can encourage you with some literature? Write down that your name and your email address on that communication card and throw it in the offering basket as it goes by. And when I get them the first part of the week, I will email you some information that will help you with your journey of life. God, we thank you for your goodness. That you're a god who's good all the time, and all the time you are good, and that you are the one that gives us real hope when we can't see hope with our own eyes. And So we lift this up to you, God, in your son's name, amen.